This is Main Street on Prairie Public. I'm Ashley Thornburg in the Fargo studio with Alicia Hagelin-Thorpe in our Bismarck studio where she is joined by root seller Sue. Sue Balcom joins us once a week for Main Street Eats. Sue, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So this episode is called Hacks. What's that all about? Well, <laughs> okay, so maybe I'm a little old school here. But <laughs> Are when you I... calling Alicia and me hacks? <laughs> <laughs> I... Well, if the shoe fits. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's kind of like working with uh, being an editor or writing stories and things like that my entire life. I look up words. Before I had a phone that you could Google words on, I used to carry this little mini dictionary with me everywhere I went in my purse. Because it irritates me when people abuse words, and there it's becoming way more common now. Like I can't even speak some people's language anymore because they misuse words, or when they combine words into one. Oh God! Or when they, uh, yeah. <laughs> when my husband has a sandwich instead of a sandwich, I'd like to poke <laughs> his eyes out. Um, anyway, so so you so this is something else. My husband does is he's on Facebook way more than I am. So every once in a while, like. Once a day, he sends me a link to Facebook hacks, you know, and I thought to myself, I first, yeah, first of all, I, well, it's from Facebook, but it's hacks on gardening, hacks on, you know, hacks. And if you make a dustpan out of a milk, right? If you, (laughs) if you people would look up the word hack. You know, a hack in, in journalism is, you know, somebody that, it's an insult to be a hack when you're a writer. Mm. You know, a mediocre writer is called a hack or an ordinary horse. But if you look up the word hack, it means to cut with rough or heavy blows. And I actually tried to find hack used as a description for shortcutting or whatever you think that they would be doing. Mm. But one thing I found, guys and girls, is those hacks are mostly just to get your attention because none of them, well, okay, some of them work. So JC sends the latest one he sends me is where you take a great big head of garlic and we grow lots of big heads of garlic and you take and you cut the bottom of it off and then you turn it over and you smack it with a knife and all those cloves come out clean as a whistle. Yeah. Right. He said, didn't you try that? I'm like, oh, yeah, I did. But you remember we grow hardneck garlic in this house? I got halfway through and couldn't get any further through the stem in the middle of that head (laughs) of garlic. So, yeah, no, I whack my garlic cloves individually, but it did not work like that. But there's a bazillion of them, like drawing your herbs through a through a colander hole and the leaves strip off in the colander and you mm-hmm. can throw the yeah, stem yeah. away. Yeah. yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I thought well, let's talk about a few hacks that definitely don't work. And then I actually have a few cooking hacks that actually do work okay. if you're interested. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So first of all, you know, I love guacamole. Mm-hmm. God, we eat so much guacamole, especially during um, football season. And and mine is just simply um, avocado, lemon, garlic, salt, maybe some chopped tomatoes once in a while. But but we finish ours. But for those of you who can't finish two avocados in an afternoon, you might want to save that guacamole. (laughs) I know, right? You want might want to save your um, avocado or your or your guacamole. And you can't 
spray that avocado with cooking oil, and you can't, what? you know, Who yeah, that? this is the this is the Pinterest thing. You're supposed to spray it with cooking oil and or you know coat it with lemon juice. Well, neither one of those things really works. And putting a seed in that guacamole. That's never worked for me either. Wait, I think I've done the lime juice. Well, it helps to keep things from browning, but you have to completely cut off the oxygen on Mm. any of that stuff in order for it not to turn brown. One thing that has kind of worked for me is I take a piece of saran wrap and mush it down on the top of the guacamole. That's what I do. And put it in the fridge. And that helps to seal it out. But there's some people like, you know, you can put water over the top of it. And I'm like, who wants watery guacamole? I mean, think about this, people. Eat it. That's my solution for that (laughs) one. Just eat the guac, okay? Oh, and then do you remember a couple weeks ago or maybe a couple months ago, you know, the way my life has been going, (laughs) that if you... Put milk on to scald when you're baking. You do not turn your back on it. Yeah. Um, and then JC's like, well, didn't you try that thing with putting a wooden spoon across the yeah, the I've pot to see if, does that work? No, yes. no, 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 no. Yes, I don't does. Know. I've done no. it before. God, no, no, no. <laughs> um, the milk will go over the top, I think, no matter <laughs> what. So but with water, it works. Does it work Pasta with water? water. Okay. Yes. Oh, and you should save your pasta water, too. Cool it off and use it to water your plants. I just learned that that was really good for your plants. Definitely. But you might get little flies in there if you got lots of yeah. sugar in your, in your <laughs> pasta. I don't know. Here's my fix for the boiling milk thing. Get an Instant Pot. <laughs> And do it in there. It can't, I can't really. Boil over. Oh, yes. that's, that's interesting. This is why I can make yogurt now because it was it was I would constantly turn my back on the milk and then it oh god me too. And you know what? That's the but worst thing for your that's the worst thing for your glass top stove. Anything with sugar in that boils yeah. over, and milk has sugars in it. Well, at least mine does because it comes straight out of the cow. So. Um, it's just awful. And I do it all the time. I keep telling myself, though, you're telling everybody not to turn your back on that milk and you do it anyway. So, but, but I'm going to try it with, um, pasta and if it doesn't work, I'm going to cry. And then I'm going to call you up, Ashley, and say it didn't work. So how about, um, do you guys have issues, um, peeling boiled eggs? That is huge. That is a huge, huge thing. Um, and I have, um, and I can't, you know, I have to write better notes. I found a way to, um, a formula time-wise to do eggs so that I could get them peeled real easily. But one of the things that's out there online is that you're supposed to put um, soda. Baking soda? Baking soda in the water to make your hard-boiled eggs peel easier. And that's not necessarily true. Vinegar works better than Mm. that and of course the one gal that tested i found somebody who actually bought eggs old eggs new eggs brown eggs white eggs Mm -hmm. and she did all these tests on boiled eggs oh bless her heart Um, and she found out that you cannot it doesn't matter how old your eggs are one of the things you want to do is peel them right away you know you take them off the burner run the cold water over Mm -hmm. them and and peel them when you can touch them I mean, they don't have to be hot, hot, because nobody, I'm sure you guys don't have fingers like mine with no fingerprints on. But um, (laughs) So you put the vinegar in the water, and then when the water's boiling, you add your eggs. Now, I've always heard that they crack when you do that, or the potential is there, because they're cold and the water's hot, you know, like glass. But apparently that works. 
um, and then chill them and, and peel them. But do not put soda in that water. Soda softens things like potatoes. Like if you're going to cook potatoes to mash, you can put a tiny little bit of baking soda in the water. But if you're making potato salad, you should put vinegar in there so they stay a little firmer. But you know that red potatoes are harder than so- than white ones. So you mash the white ones and you use the red ones for potato salad. Hmm. And that is something that my mom taught me, but it's not on Pinterest yet. So. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> But, um, you know, talking about soda, it's, you know, everybody's trying to cheat how you make things like, you know, Mm -hmm. microwave or mug cakes and stuff like that. Or using um, cookies and mushing them up and making cake pops out of them, a certain kind of cookie and stuff. You know, so they're all trying. And Mm -hmm. it's fine. It's fun to play around with that stuff. But do not substitute soda, baking soda, instead of eggs and oil when making a boxed cake. Um, Both of them serve a purpose in raising something. But eggs and oil are much more palatable than that bitter taste of baking soda. Have you seen what they call dump cakes, where you have all these several ingredients and then you layer it and then you take a – it's like a a whole stick of butter and you cut it into like 12 squares and then you put it in between your layers and then you pop it in the oven and you've got like virtually any type of cake without really stirring it. What? What's the point? (laughs) Is it that difficult to stir something? I have something called earthquake cake though that works like that where you – you put your you make gotta make your cake mix, but then you're throwing in uh, chocolate chips and coconut and cream cheese, and it kind of gets volcanic looking mm-hmm. when you're done. But it's a divine mm. cake. Boy, I'm gonna have to go home and find that recipe. Okay, back to the bread. <laughs> sorry. Now I have heard putting baking soda in scrambled eggs will help make them fluffier. Is there anything that actually – like how do people get fluffy scrambled eggs? I haven't it done is It is a um, method, I would say, rather than anything else. Like my husband and I argue about this all the time because I'm right and he's not. Um, <laughs> because <laughs> – That's right. <laughs> he puts milk in his eggs when he's making omelets. And that's one thing that will make that, that egg heavier. Um, the lighter your – um, the lighter you want your omelet or your scrambled eggs to be is hinged on how much air you beat into those eggs, not the milk that goes in there. And water will help open that up a little bit. So I put a little bit of water into mine. But I also am um, very gentle with the eggs, you know, like, um, and then don't overcook them. You know, they will continue to cook on your plate if you pull them off of there. Um, off the heat and and put them on a plate, they will continue to get a little bit firmer. I love them when they're soft and fluffy, almost borderline runny scrambled eggs, if you can imagine that, with salsa. Oh, Hmm. num, num. But yeah, I I wouldn't add anything except maybe, and I wouldn't salt them either until they were actually in the pan. Oh, okay. And starting to cook, you know, salt inhibits certain things like... Like you don't want your salt and your yeast added to a bread recipe at the same time because the salt will prevent the yeast from rising. So, But I think fluffy scrambled eggs is more how you handle them than anything else. So. Okay. And then, of course, when you're, when you're um, the hack out there for the scrambled eggs is to add wine 
sparkling Who wine. I don't know, but um, it might make them fluffier, but it'll taste like garbage. <laughs> Can you imagine the flavor? Right, drink the wine while you're gently caressing your eggs, and everybody will be happy, right? (laughs) Oh my goodness! But I do want to say that this is something that I found works Uh, when making pie crust. I use um, clear soda or sparkling water when I make because it still works as a wedding agent when you have already cut your lard into your flour. But it also evaporates a little bit more than just plain old water does. So that's a that's something that does work. You know, so. I got to tell you, Sue, I recently made um, a few pies, and I you know I have followed the rule of cold butter and refrigerated pie crust for years and years. But I just I ran into some issues, and it was just driving me crazy. These were so cold, so I let them sit out all day once, and then I made the pie. They were great. It, do we have to stick to this? Everything has to be so cold for pie crust to turn out. I always do. I actually chill my pie crust for um, I know, thirty minutes um, after I put it all together. But I do use a food processor when I have really, really cold butter to cut yeah. that into the flour. But I don't completely mix up my my pie crust in a in a food processor. I just I just never works for me. It becomes a big old lumpy mush. But here's my best advice for anybody out there who's working on a pie crust. Do what works for you. My mom did it different than I do it different than Diane does it different. And the, I've never met a pie I didn't like. Right. Well, wait, I have to take that back. Oh, well, wait. At one point in my life, I was doing the, I think they were called the Vegetarian Epicure. There were cookbooks oh, yeah. in the early, I have one of those. in the 70s maybe. Um, and I think her recipes were so successful because she does suggest token on a whatever doobie before you eat. And I'm like, well, that would make anything taste better, right? <laughs> and so, um, but she had a recipe in there for a pumpkin pie that was made with yogurt, I think, in it. Mm. And Oh, my gosh, you guys, we actually, we're German, you know, and my mom and I, we're cringing as we're throwing that thing into the the recycle bin because it was so bad. So there was one pie that we actually just couldn't bring ourselves mm-hmm. to eat. So I also made the different pies just in an effort to get them done one after the next without having big, long weights is I made one in a cast iron skillet, one in a regular pie pan, and then one in a springform pan. So would this be because you only have one pie yes. pan? Yes, okay, it is. well, I just want to clarify that because fair. Yeah. I could have just gotten a second pie pan, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and they they definitely all tasted a little bit different, but they had different. Uh, you know, there were advantages to each. Like the the uh, cast iron skillet one got. A little extra crispier. Oh, man. And the springform pan one really held the form well, and it was so much easier to cut than a normal hmm. pie because you could take that edge off and, and access the Right. Really well. You could actually slide it yeah. off on a beautiful serving plate, yeah. and then you could have invited mm-hmm. me over for a piece of pie and some ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting hungry. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But, but okay, so, yeah, there's just so many things out there, but you guys you just can't believe everything you read online. Um, I found that true, like gardening hacks, too. Oh, I just have to shake my head sometimes mm. when I see those. But there are things out there that you can learn that really work. And this is one that I swear that my husband bought me a bar of silver soap. 
and or it's kind of or stainless steel. It it it's silver. It's shaped like oh, a soap yeah. bar, and it's and it's silver colored, silver soap. But it is a stainless steel bar of soap. And he maintains that I'm making this up about it. You can remove garlic odor from your hands by rubbing this bar, this silver shaped bar of soap, like stainless steel. And if you don't have one of those, you can rub your hands on your stainless steel sink and it does the same thing. Hmm. That's something that actually works. Interesting. Um, but who minds the smell of garlic in, in October, right? <laughs> because the vampires are out. It's... You know, it's October. Um, and, of course, I never, you know, I used to boil my corn. You know, we'd peel it and boil it. I've tried putting it on the grill. Oh, my gosh, you guys, the best ever way is to leave it in the husk, put it in the microwave for three to four minutes, depending on your microwave's ability to heat. You know, they're all different. Then when you pull it out, you cut the tail end off, and you just squeeze it from the front all the hair comes off of it. It's perfectly cooked. It's Ooh, fabulous. Huh. You can do it for a crowd because it stays quite warm if you leave it in the husk until you get it all cooked, you know. But, yeah, we always do our corn in the microwave like that. And I'm sorry to say corn season is over with. We tried to eat as much as we possibly could while it's fresh. So that's a fleeting season. I did can some. It's not the same. Yeah. Now, it is October. We'll be talking a little bit about some fall vegetables next week, like pumpkins and squash and things like that. And, you know, when you open up a pumpkin or a squash or something to to bake in your oven or chop up and saute, whatever you're going to do with it, it's so difficult to use a spoon, especially nowadays because they bend real easy, spoons, to get out the seeds. And so they suggest... This guy online suggested using an ice cream scoop because it's a little bit sharper on the edges. Mm -hmm. But, oh, my gosh, you guys, are we dense or something? Like, every year we go out and spend 98 cents on pumpkin carving tools. (laughs) That little plastic thing works better than anything I've ever used. And so I just keep one of those. It works in the summertime on big cucumbers. It works on great big zucchini. You can take the seeds on any kind of vegetable with that little thing. 98 cents, you guys. (laughs) I mean, how could you go wrong with that hack? (laughs) They really got to come up with a better word than hack for this kind of thing. So... (laughs) Um, so in waking gravy, you know, um, if you want a little bit of color, you got to add a little sugar. Sugar will caramelize. You get a really pretty color. And then don't forget to add that touch of lemon juice because that really brings out, um, it plays against the oils, the grease in your um, gravy. And so that brightens it up a little mm. bit. Um, and then if you want to get lemon juice out of um, a lemon easier, there's there's two things that I will do. One, I'll let them get really, really old, and then they're soft, and you can juice them quite easily. <laughs> but otherwise, if you roly-poly that thing on the counter for a few minutes, you know, kind of mush it under your hands, you're breaking those cells in there, you get twice as much juice out of your lemon. That makes sense. Right, it does. And you can also microwave them for a second or two. That yeah. warming them up actually helps that juice extract. But the real key to my juicing is I have one of those old depression glass juicers. It's just kind of a bowl with a thing on the top, and I have other juicers that I've bought. That thing still works better than anything, mm. anything. But And I love lemon juice. I never leave home without it. Like, my house is full of lemons all the time, so... I'll 
Any quick apple hacks for this time of year? Apple hacks. Um, eat as many as you can <laughs> because an apple a day keeps the doctor away. And I just happen to have been gifted a bazillion apples for my son's tree. Oh, my gosh, you guys. I made apple pie filling. So naturally I had to practice making apple pie with it. And it works so well. It doesn't have quite the same flavor as using fresh apples. So I deduced a couple things from my experiment. And one of them is that you don't need to, if you have apple pie filling that you get from the farmer's market or make your own, you don't have to bake your pie as long, you know, 30 minutes or less because it's right. They're already cooked. All you got to do is brown your crust. I did a Dutch apple pie, so it had crumbs on the top of it. So I put too many crumbs on, so I don't want to get too carried away with that next time. But I was thinking that if I were to take a couple fresh apples and peel them and slice them and add them to canned apple pie mix, then that would give you a little bit more texture and a little bit more fresh taste, I think, in the long run. Uh, But you can store apples as long as you don't store them near something you want to you don't want to spoil, of course, like potatoes or onions, because they too give off that, is it ethylene gas that causes things to overripe. And anytime you store stuff like that, just just take out the bad ones, use those first, and then just keep checking so that you're always throwing that um, the bad stuff away. And if you take a, if you're making sauerkraut in a crock like I am, you can slice um, off a piece of apple and put it in there. That gas also works with fermentation too. Right. So we check in with Sue Balcom once a week. Thank you, Sue. Thanks, guys.